This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to the very first episode of the new cookbook project of the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. That's right, folks. This is Jeff Young, and you're listening to the very first episode of the Cookbook Project. And I've been promising this for a while. I've been talking about launching this new project as a podcast, and you know, I'm finally getting to a point where I can breathe a bit and actually, actually get it started. And you know, I had a thought just the other day. I don't know if you're like this, but uh, sometimes when you have things you want to get done, you've got something you just want to to work on, especially something of a creative nature. You know, there's something about it that just you you want to do it right, right? Don't you want to do it right? <laughs> well, let me tell you what I do about that right here at the Catholic Foodie. Uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, I want it perfect, right? I want it perfect. I want to jump off. I want to. I want to launch this thing in the most perfect way. And so, guess what happens? I procrastinate. I procrastinate. Why? Because who in the world knows how to get it started in the most perfect way? You know, when I first started the Catholic Foodie about two years ago, um, I, I'd, I'd wrestled with it for a couple of weeks. You know, how do I do this? How do I actually get this thing started? What? what you know, I, I don't want to sound like a, an idiot. <laughs> and uh, what I finally realized, though, is that I would never, ever get started unless I said, hey, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And if I sound stupid, well, <laughs> oh, well, you know, there's nothing I can do about that. But I do know this, that if I go ahead and get started and if I sound stupid now, uh, in the coming weeks, as I continue to go back to the microphone, uh, I won't sound as stupid as I did when I first started. <laughs> and so that's kind of the attitude I'm taking right now. That's what I'm doing. I'm just jumping in here, folks, and uh, we're going to get started. We're going to get started on the Cookbook Project, and it's going to take shape as we talk about it. So what is this all about? What's going on? What is the Cookbook Project? Well, if you've listened to the Catholic Foodie for a while, you may know uh, what I'm talking about, what I am talking about here. You may have heard me refer to this or mention it on the show, I announced it actually about a month ago, uh, the fact that I was going to launch a podcast specifically for the Cookbook Project. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the book and what I'm thinking about and where I'm coming from when I, uh, when I mention a cookbook project. What is this? Well, here's what it is. The book itself is going to be about where food meets faith, right? It's That's what the Catholic food is all about, where food meets faith. And but it takes it from the perspective, really, of, of Scripture. The, the book is not a traditional cookbook. It's not what you would think of. You're not going to go necessarily to your uh, pantry and pull out the cookbook and look through a bunch of recipes to find something you're going to cook tonight. Now, you, you might. <laughs> there are recipes there. You, you might. You might keep it in the pantry, and that may be a good place for it. Uh, but it's not restricted to your pantry. This is a book that you might want to keep on your coffee table. Uh, it's a book that you may want to keep in a prominent place in your kitchen. Goodness gracious, if you have a prayer table in your room, you may want to keep it there. <laughs> or if you have it somewhere in your house, you may want to keep it there. Why? Because this book is kind of a hybrid. It tells a story, and it also has recipes. It is basically looking at salvation history uh, through the lens of food. And salvation history, of course, starts with creation and ends with 
the new heavens and the new earth. I mean, we're talking about the story of our salvation from creation to the end of the world and beyond and the role that food plays in salvation history. And we're looking at that through Scripture. We're looking at Scripture, right, the story of salvation. We begin in Revelation and we go all the way to the end of Wait, did I just say we begin in Revelation? <laughs> we end in Revelation. We begin in Genesis, and we go all the way through to the end of Revelation. And we're going to look at food in the Bible. How is food portrayed? What are the, the images, the symbolism, the, uh, the examples uh, of food, of meals in Scripture? And what can we learn today about food and about meals, about family, about shared meals, what can we learn today from all that we see in Scripture about food? That's the, uh, I guess, the overview of the book. And just to whet your appetite, I have mentioned this before in interviews. I've mentioned it also on the Catholic Foodie Podcast, but I'm going to mention it here once again just to kind of give you a hint of what I'm talking about. You know, sometimes we have a hard time I think in our in our very brainy age, we're all very intellectual today. I mean, you can hardly get a job without a college degree, right? Um, and as a former teacher, uh, I used to, uh, and as a as a guy who is a philosopher by uh, training, uh, I have a hard time with this. Uh, the thoughts that we have, the system that we have today in education. I mean, you know, we 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 basically have to go to college to get a degree, and yet. Nine times out of ten, we end up getting a job in a field completely unrelated to our major. Makes no sense. But I, I mention that just to show that we are an intellectual people today. We, we look at things in a very intellectual kind of a way. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of folks will approach the Scriptures in a very intellectual way. And there's a place for that, for sure. Uh, but we forget a very simple thing, that the Bible is really just a bunch of stories. And we all love a good story. And stories really aren't difficult to understand, typically. And the stories in the Bible, if you read the Bible as a story, they really aren't that difficult to understand. And that's kind of the approach we're going to take here. We're not going to read into, you know, like too terribly deep into, uh, you know, um, a theology when we look at Scripture. There's a place for that, and it's a wonderful gift for the church to be a theologian and to, to, to delve into theology, and we need that. But I think for our purposes, on a very simple level, very basic level, we're going to look at the Scriptures as the story of salvation, pure and simple, nothing complicated, just the good old Word of God, right? Uh, so I've mentioned this in uh, interviews, as I said, and also on uh, the Catholic Foodie Podcast, but think about this. Look back in Genesis. God created the world. He created everything good, right? He creates everything good. And we notice that things don't really kind of get bad until chapter 3 of Genesis. And even when they get bad, they don't get bad, right? Our sin sort of uh, hurts ourselves and hurts the world, but it does not change creation from something good into something bad. Creation still say, stays good. Creation is good. Me and you, we are good by nature, uh, but we're fallen, and we have a propensity to sin. So we are messed up, but we're not bad. And so we see in, the, in, the, in, the, in Genesis chapter 3 this original sin, 
And how is it that sin comes into the world, right? In the story of Genesis and the story of creation, you have the first man and woman, you have Adam and Eve. And they were told by God not to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And why did God tell them that? Not because God wanted to give them arbitrary laws like, hey, you know, if it's something arbitrary, he could have said, hey, uh, you can eat um, nothing at all in the garden except for the fruit of the knowledge of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil just because that's what I say, right? It, it, would, it would be kind of like God saying, hey, uh, let's just let, okay, okay, folks, you guys can eat anything in the world that you want except for steak, okay? You can't have steak. Why? There's no real reason. It's just because I don't want you to have too much fun. Right? God doesn't do that. God has a reason for everything. And so God didn't say, he didn't make it an arbitrary rule. It wasn't like, hey, you can't eat of the fruit of this tree just because I said so. He's telling us that because there's a reason for it, because it's for our good. He knows. As a matter of fact, it says, he knows that at the moment that you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. All right? You will surely die. And there's a number of reasons for that, and that, once again, there's a lot of theological reasons for that. First of all, the first sin is the sin of disobedience, right? The, the Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Um, it was a sin of pride. But for our purposes, let's look at this. By what way, in what manner did sin enter into the world? It entered into the world through the act of eating. They had to take into themselves, they had to eat what? the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you've done any reading at all in theology, you will uh, have come to an understanding, hopefully, that uh, what that basically means is they're trying to make themselves like God. And you see this, too, in the temptation by the serpent, right? The serpent says, no, that's not true. You're not going to die. No, if you eat this fruit, see, God knows if you eat it, then it's going to make you like God's. You're going to be just like God being able to determine what is good and what is evil. Well, that was a lie. You know, the father of lies, that was a lie. Yeah, the fruit did not do that. The fruit did bring death, both spiritual death and also physical death entered into the world. So uh, the Satan, Satan, the, the serpent, the ancient serpent, is a liar, and Jesus calls him the father of lies. That's what happens. That's what he does. That's his modus operandi, right? So uh, Adam and Eve do experience death. They do experience a spiritual death because they're separated from God, and they also experience, as time goes on, a physical death. So sin enters the world through eating. Do you find that to be intriguing? I do. I do. And I find it intriguing because we see eating and, and things happening involved with meals and the actual act of eating throughout Scripture that just tell us so much about God. It tells us so much about who we are. It tells us a lot about life and about families and about our purpose here in life and about salvation. So, you know, and, and to kind of throw you the bone, okay, I'm, I'm, a, I'm trying to whet your appetite here. If you jump all the way to John's gospel, go all the way to the gospel of John, okay? All four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in some way, shape, or form, talk about the Last Supper. They talk about the Eucharist, okay? The body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. The synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all give us a story of the Last Supper, of Jesus 
taking the bread, taking the wine, right? Blessing it, breaking it, saying, you know, take this all of you and eat it. This is my body, which will be given for you, right? Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell that story. John, interestingly enough, does not have what is known as the uh, the institution narrative. He doesn't have Jesus saying at the Last Supper, take this all of you and eat it. John doesn't do that. John focuses more on like the washing of the feet and some very important teachings. He doesn't focus on that particular aspect of the Last Supper. Uh, but John does include in his gospel in chapter 6 a very long discourse that is called or is referred to as the Bread of Life Discourse. And in that discourse, he talks about how he is going to give his own flesh and blood as food, as food. And at one point toward the end of the discourse, he says very clearly, he says, unless you eat the flesh of the, of the, of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. And then he goes on to say, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Wow. Wow. You're, you're right here. We're at this point where we're hearing about salvation. Salvation. How is it that we are to be saved? Jesus tells us in John chapter 6, it is by eating and drinking the flesh and the blood of the Son of Man. It is by eating the Eucharist, by taking Jesus himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity, into our bodies and into our souls that we are saved and that we have eternal life. Is that not amazing? So what you have is way back in Genesis, you have the story of Adam and Eve, and we see sin come into the world by the act of eating. They are eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then you see salvation, though, in John's Gospel, chapter 6. You see salvation come into the world, how? By the act of eating eating the very flesh and blood of the Son of God. Isn't that amazing? I get excited about this, folks. <laughs> I think this is awesome. I get so excited about this because I see, I don't know, there's just there's so much there. There's just so much there. There's a depth there that I think we just haven't even thought of yet. Yes, we know about the Eucharist. If you're a good Catholic and you go to Mass every Sunday, goodness, even 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 every day, you can go every day, Go to Mass every Sunday and receive the Eucharist. You know, of course, about the Eucharist. You know that it's Jesus, his body, blood, soul, and divinity. You know that. You know that it is the way to salvation. It is how you practice your faith. It is how you live as a Catholic. But have you ever made that association before, that sin comes through eating and salvation comes through eating? It's amazing. And, you know, there's more that can be said. Matter of fact, we can learn a lot more about the Eucharist by looking back in the Old Testament, and we're going to do that in this book. We're going to look at covenant meals in the Old Testament, because what is the Mass? What is the Mass? What is the liturgy of the Eucharist? It is a covenant meal. What does Jesus say when he institutes the Eucharist? Take this, all of you, and drink from it. This is the cup of my blood, the cup of the new and everlasting covenant right? The Mass is a celebration, is the celebration of the new covenant, the new covenant made in his blood, the blood of the Lamb. Now, if you go back into Exodus, well, if you go back into Genesis, starting with Genesis and see what covenant meals are all about, 
We're going to learn about that. We're going to talk about that here. Uh, and then when you look back, of course, at, at, at Exodus, and you see the Paschal, uh, the, the Paschal Lamb, you see the Passover celebration, that covenant meal that takes place in the Passover. You will learn. You learn so much about the Eucharist. You learn so much about uh, how we celebrate our faith today, how we live as disciples today, how we live as God's children today. Now that, that Jesus has given us the sacraments, we do have the church, we do have the Holy Spirit. We can see, we can learn so much about how we live our faith today. And so that's kind of a just a I don't something to whet your appetite. I don't want to say an overview because it's more to it than it's not just an overview. Okay, I'm kind of trying to whet your appetite here. I think that this is something that's very cool, and I'm excited about it. And I'm excited about working on this book. And yes, it's a book. And yes, I'm going to write it. But guess what? I'm a podcaster too, and so I'm going to podcast this book as I write it. Uh, this is what's going to be I think really unique about this. Now I have heard of a couple of uh, podcasters who've done this, podcasters slash authors who've done this. One guy, and I wish I had the, uh, I should have looked this up before I started this today, but I didn't. There's a guy who, um, he likes sci-fi. He writes sci-fi. And he wanted to work on a book. And what he did is, he didn't have a publisher for it. He wanted to work on, he wrote a book, was writing a book, didn't have a publisher for it. But what he started to do was to podcast the book. And he would actually go on, and podcast it as he wrote it. So let's say he wrote the introduction. He would go on and just read the introduction, almost like an audio book, but as a podcast, which is free, by the way, free, right? Free. And so he would do that, and people would comment. They'd get involved. they listen, and, of course, they're waiting for the next chapter to come out. And every time a chapter came out, he would – I don't know if he even waited until he had a chapter. I guess he, he posted whatever it was he had when he went to podcast, and so he would read the rest of it. Until he had the whole book there. Well, guess what? By doing that, of course, you have publishers who say, hey, wait a minute. You've got something really good going on here. I want to publish your book. And so he ended up publishing the book. Uh, but the funny thing about it is, is that the book was already available in audio format. Isn't that cool? But it's something that really drew people in. People got to love it. It was a good story. They wanted to hear about it. They wanted to hear it. And when it finally came out, was published, they wanted a copy because it was a great story. They loved the story, and they wanted to spread the word, I guess. You know, buy a copy for yourself and buy one to give away. So that's kind of what I'm doing. I saw that. I thought, hey, this is a great idea, especially since I am a podcaster. Let's do this. So that's the, uh, that's the agenda. That's what's going on here, folks. That's what this new podcast is all about. This is the Catholic Foodie Cookbook Project podcast. I, I should probably come up with a fancy name for it. <laughs> I don't, I haven't done that yet. But the cool thing about this too, and this is what I want to really encourage you to do. The cool thing about this is that it's not really just an isolated thing. It's not just an isolated endeavor. My role is not going to be to, to, to be here and really just kind of entertain you and that's it. Right? That, that this, this really becomes kind of a, a community thing. I'm going to put out there all the this stuff that I've been thinking for years, all the things that I have seen as I have read the Bible and I have prayed, all the different insights and connections in my little noggin. I'm going to share that with the world, uh, and you have the opportunity to give me your insights. You have the opportunity to comment and to, to make suggestions or to draw 
conclusions or to make connections yourself with all the stuff that we talk about here on the show. And all of this, by the way, is going to be making it into the book. Isn't that cool? And so I don't have all of the uh, the logistics ironed out yet. There's still lots of questions. This is a work in progress. This is something that's going to happen. I'm learning as I go along. It's the first time that I will have podcasted a book before. So uh, we're going to learn together. But it's something where you get to participate. You get to comment. You get to uh, ask questions. Uh, you get to participate, which is really awesome. And somehow, and I don't know how we're going to do this yet, but I would, what I would love to see happen, I would love at the end of this, when the project is finally done, I would love to actually be able to say, uh, you know, at the back of the book or wherever it, it, it works, to give credit, to give credit to people who contributed. You know, if you've got a question that really helped in, in clarifying a certain point or helped to, to take a chapter that was going in one direction and, and you helped me to see that, no, it really needs to go in this direction or it needs to include this particular element, if you brought that to my attention, well, goodness gracious, I think you deserve credit for that, right? So it would be awesome to be able to put, to give you credit in the book somehow. That's what I'm looking to do. So uh, once again, it's a learning process. If you have any feedback, if you have any comments, any questions, any ideas, suggestions, whatever, let me know. I want you to be part of this. And once again, if you you, may, you probably know this number by heart. You hear me say it so much if you listen to the Catholic Foodie. But if you don't, uh, or even if you do, I'm going to say it again, 985-635-4974, 985-635-4974. That's how you can reach me and leave a message there um, for feedback. That's how I will be able to hear your comments, ideas, suggestions, and play them on the show. I can play them right here on the podcast so that everybody could hear what you have to say. Of course, you can always email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. If, if you prefer to email, hey, that's fine. Email me, jeff at catholicfoodie.com. You can find me over at catholicfoodie.com, by the way. That's the website. Uh, there's going to be a special website just for the cookbook project that I am launching. It's going to be at cookbook.catholicfoodie.com. It is actually present right there, right now, but there's nothing there yet because we're just starting. So, <laughs> but but once it's up, you'll be able to uh, comment over there. I've, I've put a post up there. You can have a comment and let me know what you think. So this is the idea. This is what's going on. What do you think about it? Is this a good idea? Is this a terrible idea? Is it something intriguing? Do you have something else to say? I'd love to know. So give me a call, 985-635-4974, 985-635-4974, and let me know what you think. And, um, of course, you can always email me, jeff at catholicfoodie.com. You may want to, uh, also, you may want to join the Facebook page, uh, Je uh, it's, uh, ca um, golly, I'm getting confused here, facebook.com slash catholicfoodie. You may want to join over there. We've got about 600 folks Part of the group right there, part of the community, uh, Catholic Foodie community. They get updated regularly with, uh, I don't know, information about whatever's going on here at the Catholic Foodie, whether it's a, a wonderful dish I'm preparing in the kitchen or something that uh, Char and I are enjoying out, uh, or if it's some other kind of idea having to do with the, the, the church or with prayer or, or the Bible or whatever it may be, pictures of food, <laughs> 
uh, great uh, recipes I find online, whatever it may be. I post things over there regularly over at facebook.com slash Catholic Foodie. You may want to uh, to join that, uh, to join the fun, join the fun. We also have a, a newsletter. As a matter of fact, the second, uh, um, the second, what do you call it? Not episode, that's podcasting. The second uh, issue, that's it, the second issue of the Catholic Foodie Newsletter is going out uh, either this evening or tomorrow, possibly tomorrow morning. Um, so you may want to sign up for that if you haven't done so already, catholicfoodie.com slash newsletter. Well, this is going to wrap up, I think, our uh, general introduction. I guess you call it introduction. It's a, hey, this is what's going on over here in Catholic Foodie Land. It's that kind of an episode. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know how often I'm going to be posting this. It may be I'd like to do it at least once a week, uh, maybe more frequently than that, depending on how much time I have to work on the book uh, and to join you here. So until next time, bon appetit. <laughs>